With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Positive statistics, but ultimately that's not really what it's about. So you, you really want to win games and that's uh, where my focus is and will be going forward and, you know, figuring out what are the little things you can do better to uh, make sure those losses turn into wins. And uh, that's always where my mind will go. That's where our minds are going to go to. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. With not a pie chart of blame for, or I guess a pie chart of praise it would it would have been. This should have been a pie chart of praise for the Vikings because they did win the game. They kind of earned a pie chart of praise. Oh, it was a great game, too. Uh, unfortunately, they finished 7-9, to nine, which means we're bringing the pie chart of blame big picture to the show today. Mackie and Judd, first show of 2021. And before we dive in and also get to things we learned on NFL Sunday, let's talk about Federated. Federated Insurance on board for another year of Mackie and Judd and Purple Daily. We appreciate their partnership. And a lot of business owners out there have appreciated Federated's partnership as well. As a business owner, how helpful would it be for you to have employee training at your fingertips? Industry resources that can help your business reach another level of success. Well, that's why Federated Mutual Insurance Company recently launched MyShield, the online client destination for risk management resources. MyShield resources are uh, endless if you're a business owner. Safety training and videos, customizable risk management plans, workplace posters, employee handbook builders, and much, much more. Go to federatedinsurance.com to find out more information and just click on the little MyShield logo. And uh, you'll be off to the races. My Shield and Federated Mutual Insurance Company, where it's our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. You know, we just, with the, with the turnover that we had, the injuries that we had on defense, uh, you know, we just weren't, we weren't good enough. You know, we fought like crazy and, you know, seven nine's not great, but through all the circumstances and everything that went on, um, you know, maybe it's the best we could have done. Welcome into the show, Mike Zimmer. After a pretty amazing roller coaster season where the Vikings started one and five and then they got back to 500 and it looked like they were kind of a lock to get to the playoffs and they lose a bunch of games. Was he taking a victory lap? Was that a victory lap by Mike Zimmer, the 7-9 and nine victory lap? I think he's rationalizing the, the fact that when it was all said and done with the injuries and the COVID stuff and the weirdness, I think he was just saying perhaps this was us. But he's not, I don't, he's not saying, he's trying not to say that they identified this back in, let's say, July, when you could have been like, well, we're not that good, so let's get the draft pick, right? So I think he is just simply reflecting on what happened. I don't know that I agree completely, but he's just basically trying to say we tried. I I think he really believes in his heart, Phil, that 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 post by the post by stretch, right, where, where they got hot, was like his best coaching, where he tried to uh, pull the team out of the fire and win yeah. games, but alas, it was not to be. Well, let's let's go through because I think we can help Mike Zimmer figure out was seven and nine what they really were? Did they underachieve based on how well they played out and of the bye? By the way, if they had beat the Bears here, they are in the playoffs this morning. Yep. Second time in three years you lose to the Bears at home in December and it keeps you out of the playoffs. That's pretty amazing. Because if you be because mm-hmm. assuming that, that you still track and beat the Lions on Sunday, eight and eight no. and the tiebreakers are then Chicago and the Cardinals. You're in the playoffs. That's amazing because at the time of that loss, it was it was definitely a devastating loss, but it kind of felt like 
Yeah, we still got that Saints game and mm-hmm. like the fact that you lost the Bucks game. It kind of felt like the season was already kind of off the rails. But boy, and then you could go back and say, well, if they would have just one of those one point losses got to Tennessee yard. or Seattle, Madison right? gets the yard in Seattle. Yeah. You win that game. Yeah. So let's dive into it. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. Now on Mackie and Judd. This chart makes it as clear as I can to you. The pie chart of blame. You want to blame somebody? Judd Zolged, this is the final pie chart I'm gonna, of I, the 2020 I love the pie. This makes me so sad. I love the pie charts. <laughs> There's so much fun. Blame a lot of fun. Praise is good, too. Blame tons of fun. All right, I have, because it's the last one, I went through one, two, three, four, five, six, Whoa. seven pieces of pie. I split wow, this up. Dude, well, seven. it's season ending. Old school pie it's chart season here. ending, so I really went through here and hashed through it. I probably did not give enough percentages to some folks. You're like John Madden with a, with a turducken up. on Thanksgiving exactly. right now. This is the last one. I had to do a thorough job. Uh, should I start at the top or the bottom? I'm like a gentleman. You should work your way up. You know, okay. start, start the bottom. <laughs> Wait a but second. What? That was said correctly. I said start at the bottom and work your way up. A gentleman doesn't start down there, does he? Uh, maybe it's a score north after dark conversation. This might be the debut uh, topic. Because- I don't know I got how nothing. you feel about pie. All right. I, I got feel nothing. like a gentleman starts somewhere else, but not Declan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, which which might explain a lot of things about Declan. Men are microwave. <laughs> which, might, which might explain Declan's Twitter account sometimes. Men are microwave, women are an oven. Just maybe say that. I don't know. <clears throat> Here's Judd's pie Here's chart. Pie Here's chart. my pie chart of blame right for the yeah. Vikings 2027-9 season. 10% I will start at the bottom, as Dex suggested. 10% I'm going to split between Jalil Johnson and Shamar Stefan. Now I'm thinking about those two in a completely different way. Yeah, uh, don't, they're, they're at the bottom... Figuratively, in the pie chart to blame, uh, the defensive line. It's look they they're not good, but they still played and they had to play, and it was just awful. Like we are used to, really, for the most part, aside from a couple uh, different occasions since I started to cover this team full time in two thousand five. The interior of the defensive line has been great. The Williams Wall, right? Like you've had a lot of good players play the three technique and the nose tackle, Linval Joseph. And uh, once Michael Pierce opted out, you had Shamar Stefan. And Jalil Johnson, who, by the way, is Zim's guy, was drafted by the Vikings in 2017 and hasn't developed at all, really. So 10%. 10%. Sort of the poster child here for the defense. I'm going to pick on this guy because he was supposed to be good and he was not Anthony Harris. Look, the secondary and the corners in particular were young, okay? And I get that. And I, I get that Harris and, and Smith probably tried to freelance to help the corner some. But Anthony Harris was signed to a franchise tag of $11.4 million for 2020. That doesn't give you a lot of room to be like, well, you know, did you see the young corners? I was trying to help them out. That gives you room to be a Pro Bowl player. No. And you didn't come close um, and the, the ultimately, Vikings were probably justified by the fact that they didn't sign him to a rich long-term deal. But 10% goes to a guy who I expected would be really good and went from uh, six picks in 2019 to zero in 2020. 10% has to go to the guards, Dakota Dozier, and anyone else who played right guard before Ezra Cleveland, who did, to his credit, stabilize things, Okay. Dozier was, in his defense, put in a position to fail. But you don't have to fail that badly. <laughs> and he did. He, he is was, yeah. He's a backup. He is nothing more than a fringe backup. And, and I believe he started something like four games for the Vikings in 2019. So you sort of saw him play. So did you sit down and watch the film and like, couldn't see the film? Like, what, what were you doing? Yeah, it's... And also... Was Brett Jones, like, did anyone actually see him physically on the premises? I know he was on the roster all season. Well, but how, like, How bad must he be if they're like, you know what, Dakota. But that's the that's the crazy thing. And, the, like, the Twins would do this sometimes when I covered them where they would, like, they would keep running a pitcher out there or a player out there that had no business being a starter yeah. because, well, I mean, you know, you, 
you haven't seen these guys on the bench in the minor leagues. Like we, we know that they're not good enough. We know that Anthony Slam is not good enough, right? And like <laughs> it's like the Vikings. Dakota Dozier, by almost any measurement, pro football focus, is one of the three or four worst offensive linemen in the league. And you played him all year. Yes. <laughs> like, 16 starts, like correct? At no, point, at no point do you just maybe sit the guy for two weeks and see if taking a break can help him. <laughs> I, I don't know. It was a super weird, stubborn thing for them to stick with him all season. So I'm not completely going to blame him because it's not all his fault. But 10% does go to the fact that he was supposed to be a National Football League player and was essentially, I think, had about three sacks of Kirk by himself because he kept getting pushed back into Kirk and tripping him. Yeah, 10% goes to Koob's Gary Kubiak. And you ask why? I'll tell you why. Hey, it's second and long. What should we do? Let's run. Where's the motion? Well, who needs motion? Okay. <sighs> Boy. Time for a big play. Big play. We got Jefferson. We got Thielen. We got Irv Smith Jr. We've got Kirk, our multi-million dollar quarterback. What should we do, Koobs and Zim? Oh, let's give it to Delvin. No, no, I said we need a big play here. Anyway, um, the offense definitely, to me, look, statistically, I think it's good. So so people will harp on the stats and say, look, Kirk had a big, big year. You don't get this and get that. But again... Go to the eye test. We all watched the games, and we all saw the flaws, and we all saw what what that offense, what we believe that that offense with a lot of its particular skill position players, particular skills, what they <laughs> what they had, right? And then what they did, I'm not saying that Cook is not a great player. I am saying that you had a lot of options as well beyond him at times mm-hmm. and didn't explore them, and, and it is still criminal. It is criminal that in the first two games in which you lost to Green Bay and the Colts, that you basically looked at Justin Jefferson and said, oh, he's young, not yet. You know, that's the one thing I don't know how much to criticize them for because there was no preseason. They weren't able to see him, like, in actual game mode. And so did they... Did he learn a lot by sitting for a couple of he, weeks? He had a great camp. No, you know, it's, it you seem, knew, it's, it you seems knew. like a botch, but we don't. It's a botch. It's a botch. Mo- Moss came in from day one, right? And they basically said, oh, this guy's good. So let's say he plays just let's let's do this hypothetical because the Vikings, you know, the Vikings essentially came up a win shy of the playoffs, depending on tiebreakers and stuff. If they beat the Bears, they're in. Um, but which of those first two games? was more winnable if they would have given you a full dose of Justin Jefferson. Because they, they, they couldn't move the ball at all against the Colts, the, right? The bad. Packers scored 43 yeah, in that the Packers The Packers game, I think, is a no. I think the Colts game was. But, I mean, give yourself a chance. Mm-hmm. And, and you saw that guy in camp, and he ran really good routes, and he was prepared. And you essentially spent two weeks. I and mean, he had six targets in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> he had, I think, something like, what, 12 or 13 on Sunday? So, anyway... 10% to Coops. 10% goes to Kirk Cousins. Hmm. All right? You rebounded after after the 1-5 start. I get that. But here's why I'm putting the 10% on you. And this is completely fair. And I will give you one game. I will give you one day. I will give you one time. I will boil this down to not a bunch of general Cousins bashing things, but one thing. The Falcons game. Okay? Hmm. Now, I know that the Vikings got blown out and played terrible. But the Falcons were winless coming into that game. And do you know who I need to shove that day, like from the get-go? You know who I need to just step up and shove it down the Falcons' bleep? It's Kirk Cousins. And he had three picks, and he had a pick, I believe, on his first pass from scrimmage. That's inexcusable. And Kirk Cousins, that is one game. The defense takes on the majority of the blame for the fact that this team is not a playoff team, all right? And against the Falcons, they played a terrible game. But I'm going to tell you right now, I put the Falcons' loss on Cousins' day. Because if Kirk Cousins had... That is the game, Phil, where Kirk Cousins should have come out and said, my defense might not be playing well, but I don't care. The Falcons have not won a game. We're going to go toe-to-toe, and if we need to win... This goes back to the Cousins' quote after the Falcons' game to open 2019, right? If we need to win 52-51, sometimes we need to. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I, I almost feel like because Kirk was so ridiculously good after the bye, and it's the best stretch of football he's ever played in his career, probably in his life, and he's and he's been just bonkers good since the bye week. So he deserves credit for that. 
but they started one and five in large part because he led the league in interceptions and some like there was a Hail Mary in there and there was a tip like Thielen dropped one. Um, but like that Falcons game, the way he started, and there was a couple other ones in the there Titans too. Titans game, a field yep. goal, get yep. a field goal, you win, and or or convert a, a game winning drive on one of those. Now yep. you could say, well, why doesn't the offensive line just get a yard against the Seahawks? Okay, yes, he wasn't the sole reason why they started one and five. But let's not just ignore how bad he played for the most part in that one and five start. So yes, it's very fair of you to put him on your. And pie that chart. Falcons game to me was disgusting. Like that was a complete. You you were going into the bye. You could have had a win at that point. You're two and four, and you just were awful. Fifteen percent goes a lo- a larger chunk goes to perhaps a surprising, perhaps not a surprising candidate, the Marwin Magoofs. <laughs> your special teams can't uh, how. Like he has to be fired, right? And this is not a this is not a uh, Dan Bailey went cold at the end of the season case. This is a lifetime 2020 season yeah. achievement award. Also, what's <laughs> everything? What's the bigger upset that that Marwin kept his job for all 16 games, or that Adam Gase kept his job for all 16 games with the Jets? Considering who runs the Vikings and who could have fire, fired Magoof, Magoof. <laughs> I mean, it, I don't understand it. They couldn't return anything. Um, it's just, it was just a continual, it was like every week that there was going to be a different element of special teams that cratered. And there was. All right, and we will wrap this up. My large pie chart of blame for the Vikings 2020 disappointment with a 35% chunk that's going to be split between two guys. And I think you know who they are. Come on down. Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman, okay? You didn't get in you didn't get help after Pierce opted out for the interior defensive line despite that the fact that there were some cheap veteran options who at least could have been given a look, but you didn't do that, okay? We spent all spring basically and summer saying, are you going to get a veteran cornerback just to help out and stabilize things cuz you got Dantzler and Gladney and Hughes um and your answer was, eventually, we're going to pick up Chris Jones, who didn't like to tackle, and that's part of football last time I checked. Um, you, you traded a second-round pick for Unique Ngakwe, which excited us at the time. But then after six games, Spielman traded him. And But by the way, I believe that he will lead the team in sacks, which is hysterically funny. Um, yeah, I think that's true. It's awesome. But you also then came back after the bye after trading in Gakwe and were like bound and determined that you could still win games, which you did for a while. So your message to me and the team, I think, was confusing. The left guard position was addressed with Dakota Dozier. 35% goes to um, decisions both on and off the field by the GM and coach. Okay. So I, I go 35% to a Spielman and Zim, 15% to the Magoofs. 10% each to Cousins, Kubiak, um, the guards led by Dakota Dozier, Anthony Harris, and the final 10% split between Jalil Johnson and Shamar Stepp. All right, that's a that's a lot of pie right there. A ton of pie. Yep. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. I like it. Well, you wouldn't be, I mean, like, you wouldn't be more full because there's seven slices, Yogi Berra. The same full. amount of pie, but I ate the whole. Could, but I ate the whole pie. Didn't Yogi Berra get asked that question one time? I consumed Mr. the whole pie. Mr. Berra, would you like your pie cut up in four or eight slices? And he, and he said, "Better make it four. I don't know if I can eat it." <laughs> I love it. No, so, I'm, I'm full because this is a big pie chart of blame. All right, here's my pie chart of blame for a seven to nine season, and I'm cutting mine into four equal pieces here. The Rock oh. knows how you feel about pie. I'm not going to go like there's there's probably twelve different pieces you could dole out here, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go four different categories. Okay. Let's start with a couple cop-out categories, all right? A couple exoneration slices of pie. Slice number one is the fact that you drafted 15 rookies. The fact that instead of potentially packaging picks up and consolidating and drafting eight players and moving up the board, the Vikings played the volume game. And I'm not even, like, fighting that strategy. They, they They made a decision going into the season saying, listen, we're strapped for cap space. We're going to play the lottery a little bit here, and we're just hoping that by drafting 15 rookies, more of them pan out. Justin Jefferson, I mean, it's actually been a pretty good year for throwing rookies into the fire. You found out that Justin Jefferson's a star. I think Cam Dantzler is going to be a star. Uh, Jeff Gladney looks like he's on the way to being a good player. And then there's other there's other success stories here in the wings. But, but you knew by drafting 15 rookies and yep. going in without a bunch of high-impact free agents and players – 
but this was a bit of a transition season, so um, so that has to be accounted for. That's slice of pie number one. Slice of pie number two, another exoneration slice here. COVID and injuries. Okay. Y- y- you have to acknowledge the fact that Daniil Hunter, Michael Pierce, Eric Kendricks missed basically all of December. And Anthony Barr, even though we rag on him and he's not lived up to what we thought in the contract, he's still one of your starting linebackers and uh, at times throughout the season can be an impact player. And by taking him off the field and by taking Eric Kendricks off the field for some of your most important games, guys like Todd Davis have to play meaningful snaps for three hours. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem. In fact, when you go up and down and look at the defensive players that had to play meaningful snaps for this team, okay, this is a team that was number one in defense three years ago and went to the NFC Championship game with borderline Hall of Famers all over the place, right? And Vikings Ring of Honor guys, okay? Here are the, let's go through a list of like 12 or 15 real quick. These are the players that played the most snaps defensively for the Vikings, and this is mostly due to injuries, COVID, opt-outs, and general transition. So Anthony Harris led the team in snaps. Eric Wilson was second, and he had a pretty good season. He's also a backup linebacker. Eric Wilson is a, it, it, I'm talking because they're playing nickel more often than not. Eric Wilson is a backup linebacker who played over 1,000 snaps for you in 2020. Okay, that That's was good, though. But that, their plan wasn't for him to play 1,000 snaps. So okay. make note. Harrison Smith, 1,000 snaps. Gladney, a rookie, fourth most snaps. Eric Kendricks, fifth most. Uh-huh. Adenabo. He's a third down pass rusher. He played the sixth most snaps for you. Shamar Stephan, Jaleel Johnson, Jalen Holmes, seven, eight, and nine, all backup players were top ten but in snaps for you. That's why why did why did you not go out? There were guys available and sign an interior defensive lineman at some point. Well, like, they did. Michael, you mean after Michael? No, Pierce? no. Yes, yes. Snacks. Oh, Harrison so that, was out yeah. there a thousand times. I mean, he he just got picked up by a. The Packers. I mean, yeah. give yourself a chance. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Did they not kick the tires on snacks? Did they not raid the cupboards I think Zimmer, looking for snacks? I think Zimmer thought that he had developed guys behind his starters, and the fact is he really hasn't. Yeah. Number 10 on the snaps list, another rookie in Cam Dantzler. Number 11, another rookie in DJ Wanham. Number 12, basically another rookie in Armin Watts, who I think was a sixth-round pick last in 2019. Mm-hmm. Chris Boyd probably should not have been playing 343 snaps this season. He was 13th on your list. Unique Ngakwe got traded. And then Hercules Mata'afa, who's been back and forth, practice squad, bounce around. He was 15th. 16th, Todd Davis should not be playing 281 NFL snaps. And Chris Jones should not be playing 267 NFL snaps. Like, tons of dudes who are just either not NFL starting players or probably not even roster guys. Like, Chris Jones wasn't supposed to be on their roster. No, no, but they could have, again, they could have. There, there were guys out there for relatively cheap that they passed by. So, I, I fault, At cornerback, I fault them completely. So that's one of my slices, COVID and injuries leading to playing all these backup players. Slice of pie number three in the pie chart of blame, the Vikings' general historical offensive line negligence, especially pass protection. The Vikings have become, and Mike Zimmer is is the one that's that's pulling some of these strings. They've become so obsessed with getting the band back together defensively and bringing Anthony Barr back in and paying two safeties over eleven million dollars, and even offensively, like, oh man, we should probably eat some broccoli, but let's go pay for the flashy takeout meal, Dalvin Cook, right? Like, yeah. if given the opportunity to spend twelve million dollars to fortify your offensive line, or to sign a flashy running back to an extension. I know it sucks to think about Dalvin Cook not being on the Vikings, but your offensive line and your pass protection is has been a huge problem for years. In fact, I went through the pro football focus rankings in the Mike Zimmer era, okay? And if I'm Mike Zimmer, this is something in my job review for the year, I am bringing this up, damn it. Pro football focus, pass block rankings, okay? Vikings were 28 this season in pass protection. They were 27th last year in pass protection. Mm -hmm. They were 27th in 2018 in pass protection. Mm -hmm. Now, Kirk Cousins has done pretty well statistically in those three years, despite having bottom five rated pass protection and him not being mobile at all. So feather in Kirk's cap for overcoming some of that and uh, improving some doubters wrong, maybe like myself. 
In 2017, they were top. Well, I shouldn't say they were top half of the league. They were 17th. So they were right around average in 2017. I think part of that might be because Case Keenum was more mobile and probably bailed out the offensive line in certain situations yeah. where Kirk Cousins didn't. And I know that PFF tries to separate that, but uh, but 17th. The other three years, the first three years, 30th, 28th, and 23rd. They've never been top half of the league in the Mike Zimmer era in pass protection. And they've had mostly statue quarterbacks because Teddy Bridgewater wasn't the most mobile guy either. And Sam Bradford was less than mobile. If we think Kirk Cousins isn't mobile, Sam Bradford was rooted to the turf. Yeah, he couldn't move. And and they've still managed to put up some pretty big passing seasons because they have at least guys who can throw the ball. So um, th- this is more of an organizational thing. It's They've whiffed on some guys. They whiffed on Matt Khalil back in the day. Uh, they may have whiffed on Garrett Bradbury. They whiffed on Pat Elfline. Or they haven't developed these guys like some other franchises do. And it's a huge problem. And so it probably causes them, you know, we sit here and say, why don't you throw the ball more? And they might say, uh, because our offensive line can't hold up for more than a second but and that, a half. But that's their fault because they, they signed Kirk. They knew what they they knew exactly who they were going to get in Kirk when they signed him. And they still have allowed that. That's what's a, It's mind-boggling that you would buy the car and not a garage. It is super weird. And they did it with Bridgewater, too. They drafted Bridgewater right at the beginning of the Mike Zimmer era. And, and Bridgewater played almost every snap in college in shotgun or pistol. And they said, oh, this is our first-round quarterback franchise guy. Listen, Teddy, we got Adrian Peterson here, and he hates taking handoffs out of shotgun and pistol. So you're going to have to learn how to work with your back to the defense for the first time in your life. Like, when they draft a first-rounder, they don't even say, offensive line, system, everything caters to the quarterback. We'll figure out the running back aspect later. And this is the way it's been for 15 years with this franchise. Yeah. But right now, I think it's identifiable by the fact that the head coach really does not give a whole heck of a lot of thought to the quarterback spot. Or the offense in general. Yeah. It's, Gary, just go figure it out. It's a law. The, the offense is along for the ride in an era now where nothing is more important than, hmm, let's see, your offense. Yep. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. And my final piece of pie, as great as he played in the second half of the season, I'm giving my final piece of pie to the gravitational pull of Kirk Cousins to a 500 record. It doesn't matter how crappy he plays for stretches or how brilliantly he plays for stretches, Kirk Cousins in his career is 50, 51, and 2 as a starter. Actually, I take that back. He's now 51, 51, and 2, I believe. That's perfect. This is not counting yesterday's game. So he's exactly 500 as a starter. And his records as a starter are 9 and 7, 8, 7, and 1, 7 and 9, 8, 7, and 1, 10 and 5. Nice job. And 7 and 9. He is the definition of a 500 quarterback. No matter how well he plays, how poorly he plays, there's just something about Kirk Cousins that screams 500 record. But as you know a team. what? It's fitting. It's like perfect because if you watch Kirk play, if I didn't give you records, if I just had you sit down and watch Kirk play, like game after game after game, it's Kirk Cousins hell, right? And I and we got done, and I said. What do you think about this guy? I think that you would say he's pretty good. He's fine. And he's about a 500 quarterback. Yeah. He really is. And there's a lot of franchises that would benefit from just having a steady, you know, just a guy that's going to go back there and he might have a month of a meltdown. But uh, this is where, like, and we'll get into these deep conversations. Purple Daily is going to be all about how to fix the Vikings for the next several weeks. But you got to figure out how far can you go with him playing at his best? You still wound up seven and nine. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the best year he's probably ever had, especially when you when you just look at the post-buy stretch of play. It's the most touchdown passes. Yes. And people are going to say, well, yeah, okay. If he can keep playing that way and you fix the offensive line and you fix the defense and you do this over here, and the question becomes, can you do all those things when you're still paying him like 15% of the salary cap, which that's going to be the case this year and even more in 2022? Yes. Those are the big questions that have to be answered. So 25% to the gravitational pull of Kirk Cousins to 500, 25% to the Vikings' general offensive line negligence, 25% to COVID and injuries, and 25% to them going into the season knowing this is going to be a transition year, drafting 15 rookies. Pie chart of blame. The one thing is, off your last point, 
if you go in knowing that it's a transitional year and that it might not be that great, and then you milk seven wins, it frustrates me more. Like, if you know, you know what? And and by the way, at the bye, you're one and five, right? Like, you can officially say, okay, this is not our year. What can we do? What will most benefit the Minnesota Vikings, right? Yeah. Hmm. These losses aren't such a bad thing. This was the worst no, I'm, case no, scenario. No, like, no, I'm going to pull out every last garbage victory. I, we're going to go beat those Lions. And this is like when they were one and five and we were sitting there saying, listen, the trade deadline's coming up. You guys can unload. Go unload some of your starters. Go unload Adam Thielen if you want to. You know, we're not gonna we're not gonna yell at you too much if you do that. Go unload starting defensive players and get some draft picks and build this thing back up for the next three years. Uh, I would have been fine with that. As it stands, they they started to make a run. It looked like they were going to get into the playoffs and they were playing hot. And it was like, are they going to be this team that nobody wants to face? And they wound up in the absolute worst possible spot, which is the fourteenth pick instead of. The fifth pick or yes. the second pick or whatever. Which we did talk been. about. But when Kirk Cousins is your starting quarterback, you're not going to be bad enough to pick in the top three or the top well, five. And, and you used Dalvin Cook for every last drop, too. Like, you got a you got a year from Cook that was just phenomenal, and you won seven games. Yep. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. All right, Declan, your pie chart to blame. Seven and nine. All right, I have six pieces of pie to hand out. I have you six. Guys like to see I have six, it. Six, six pieces of pie. Go sports, again. son. Bottom to the top. Starting, 5%. I will I will give it to COVID. 5% to COVID. Basically no training, abbreviated training camps, virtual meetings. COVID, thank you. And see, well, everyone had those things. For like, sure. Like, when I, when I put COVID in mind, I'm not counting, like, the things that everyone had to deal with. Yeah. But, so I, I, but I do think it, it plays, a, obviously, a part in, in the football season. So I, I'm just going to give it 5%. It's just a little tiny. It's like a bite of pie. It's not even a slice. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a bite of pie. 10% to ineptitude. Ineptitude by defined as you started one and five, all right? Then you rattle off some wins, but then you can't beat Andy Dalton and the Cowboys. You can't beat the Chicago Bears at home. You figure out a way to be inept constantly. And it's extremely frustrating as a Vikings fan, and I have a statement that kind of goes with this on Purple Daily, but how you had this, like, basically prolific offense, like it was the best Vikings offense since Brett Favre and Dante in 04 when he almost won the MVP and yet it never really truly felt like this offense was with it in the times. It was behind still establishing the run. You have someone like Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins having career seasons, and it still doesn't, it feels like something's off. So ineptitude, 10% to the ineptitude. I'm also putting 10% on Kirk Cousins. I originally didn't have him in my pie chart to blame, but I'm adding him to it here. 10% to Kirk for being exactly what Phil said, a 500 quarterback. Yes, his, his raw box score numbers are fantastic. Everyone can see that. He rebounded after a horrible start and put up one of the best seasons of his career. But Kirk Cousins is who he is. Someone tweeted us a graphic yesterday that you know had all the statistics that you know Kirk leads in the NFL since entering in 2012, and you know he's top five in basically every major category. On, so, yeah. oh. so imagine if you gave him an offensive line or a defense. But he, this is who he is. Like this is who we. Do you think he's going to be more than that? I don't think he's going to be more than that. He is who he is. So 10 percent to Kirk Cousins. I will put 20 percent. On the Vikings' offensive line. Yes, it's it's been ne- neglected for basically the better part of the last six, seven years. You started Drew Samia, and you basically injured, reserved him in a phantom. I don't believe that dude ever got hurt. I just think you were like, we can't play this guy. Oh, he got he hurt. Is His so pride bad. was damaged Yeah, his pride belief. got hurt. You had to run out poor Dakota Dozier. Garrett Bradbury maybe looked at the first half season like, oh, maybe this is a competent center, but I, I don't know if you even pick up that fifth-year option at this point. That's still up in the air. The offensive line was awful, and until you can protect them, or protect Kirk Cousins and have a, a competent line, it's going to be tough to win football games. So 20% of the blame to the offensive line. 25% on the coaching staff. Um, I, I think Mike Zimmer, although he lost all of his basically studs on defense and my best Randy voice there, you have to figure out ways to get creative. And I think that's what really frustrated me about Zimmer is he, he just kept running out Adenabos. He didn't, he didn't, scheme up a safety blitz. He didn't scheme up a cornerback blitz. I feel like there was other ways, and maybe I'm just uneducated, but like there's other ways to scheme up how to get pressure on the quarterback. When there was those games against like Dalton and what it was, where there was only like three or four pressures per game going on a quarterback, three or four over the course of the whole game? How does that, how the hell does that happen? 
because you're afraid. But but the problem then is a personnel problem because that's where you had to get a veteran or two, and he didn't do, yeah. do that. I, Chris Chris Jones playing was inexcusable. Like, it's, I, I think it's a personnel thing. Like I don't, I don't think Mike Zimmer just woke up and forgot how to scheme defense. No, I think at no, a certain point yeah. it's like. But this right. is why. But this is why we told him what to do last spring. You've got to go get. You've got to have at least one veteran corner. He doesn't have to be a Pro Bowl player. But like there was no one on that back end corner wise to stabilize things. Mm-hmm. Nobody. Mm-hmm. And and the fact that they ignored that in May to me is what bit them in the ass in November. So yeah, I put twenty five percent of the coaching staff. Coops is in that in that realm as well, always running on second and ten, having two of the best wide receiver duels in the league, but still feeling like we're not utilizing them. Irv Smith didn't really come on to like basically the last six or seven games. I but I believe both Kubiak and Zimmer deserve the equal part of the blame in coaching. So 25% of that uh, in my pie chart of blame. My final pie chart, uh, final piece of pie in my pie chart goes to injuries. I'll put 30% on the injuries. It is my biggest chunk of pie, um, but it's 30%. I mean, you lost Daniil Hunter at the beginning of the season, uh, and, and and then basically you had no cornerback to help you out. Eric Kendricks gets, gets hurt. It was a, a horrible situation on defense for the Vikings and Anthony bargaining her also did not help things. So I'll put injuries on there. Like it's definitely was a part of it and it's my biggest chunk of pie, but it's not going to be over 50% of the reason why the Vikings finished seven and nine. It's my biggest at 30%, but injuries do obviously play a factor in where the Vikings finished this year. So my pie chart of blame on the season goes 5% to COVID 10% to ineptitude, 10% to Kirk cousins, 20% on the offensive line, 25% on the coaching staff, 30% of the injuries. That is my pie chart. There it is, Silman. The Rock knows how you feel about it. Pie. Final pie charts of the season. So I'm just looking at some of the exit quotes that are coming out while we record this show here today. Also, some of the firings. Anthony Lynn just got axed. Doug Marone was fired early this morning Doug in Jacksonville. Marone. Adam Gase. Gase got fired last night by the Jets. apparently is being considered by Nick Saban to be his next OC. Adam Gase? Oh, that, that's mm-hmm. not surprising. Well, you guys see who the next Jaguars coach is probably going to be. Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer. Oh, yeah, that's right. Who, by the way, I thought quit his last two coaching jobs because of health concerns. Yeah, good luck in the NFL. I, I can tell you what's really healthy, NFL. That, <laughs> I don't see— That lifestyle's a piece of cake. I'm trying to figure out how much— I mean, But is he really—I mean, has he really been sick? I have no idea. I think he was still in his 40s when he, he had heart. health issues with Florida, so he's not that old. He's only like 53 years old. Urban Meyer. Right. He looks like he's 70. But, like, I can't figure out if he really has a health condition that is truly a concern or if that's just the fallback for when he leaves. I think it's more of a fallback. I don't know. I think it's more like, ah, we got some recruiting violations but the, on the horizon here. The quote I saw from the Jags that's positively frightening is, is this. Shad Khan, who owns the team, evidently has control of the roster and made it clear that he will maintain control for now, even when he brings in new people. Wait, say that again? So the guy that owns the Jaguars, Shad Khan. Yeah, okay? He also owns AEW Wrestling yeah. on TNT yeah, Wednesday nights. Brilliant man, I'm sure, right? But I guess he has control. He has final say of the 53-man roster. But don't all owners really have final say over the 53-man no, roster? No, it sounds like he makes decisions. It, it would be so he's like, like he's if like Jerry Jones? Ziggy, yes. It would be like if Ziggy was trying to dictate personnel decisions. But do you think do you think Shad Khan's going to hire Urban Meyer and say, all right, I listen, Urban, here's my thoughts on who the cornerback should be? I, who knows? I would hope he wouldn't, but. He's a smart guy. Um, just because you're smart in real life does not mean you're smart in sports. We'll see. He's doing a great job with AEW. I think they've been beating. I'm really glad he's beating is. NXT. But I'll tell you Wednesday what, night. he's doing a horse crap job with the Jacksonville Jaguars, <laughs> who are going to get a quarterback. Like that is the ultimate time to get your guys in place, draft Trevor Lawrence, and just back off. What happens to Gardner Minshew if Trevor Lawrence is the? He's all yours, Phil Mackey. If you want to send him a draft, honestly, pick. I'd rather have Gardner Minshew at five hundred thousand dollars for a couple of years than. Matt Stafford or Kirk Cousins, some of these $30 million guys who... Can you run a little bit? G- Gardner? Oh, yeah. I think he move a little he bit. Can move. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, move then you bit. know what? Uncle Rico, man. With this offensive line, that wouldn't be a bad idea. Uh, gentlemen, we, we like to bring in the, um, the vet lines of other fan bases on this show. Packer vet line has not been very fruitful for us because they finished 13-3 and three and... Might win the Super this Bowl. This has been a crappy year for us on Packer Van Line. I'm, I told you, I told uh, Judd this. I, I enjoy watching the Packers in 2020. I, I, yeah. I enjoy it. Declan last Monday basically came clean and said they're fun. He's he is the, as close as one can get, Phil Mackey, to being an actual Packer fan. Yeah, honestly, like I've I've kind of I don't enjoy watching the Packers necessarily, but I don't get 
I don't get joy from watching the Packers lose like a bunch of other Vikings I fans. Get joy from the post game calls when they do lose, though. Correct. It is hilarious. Come on. Right? But we do have a couple of fan bases that are sad today for different reasons. Let's start with our friends in Chicago here. This is courtesy of ESPN 1000 in Chicago. This is Bears Ventline. <laughs> It, this is the team that, you know, we didn't drop, draft Montana when we had, you know, Jim Fink, our greatest GM. We got Peyton and all those guys. And then we, we skipped out Mahomes. So I think we're just cursed, and Green Bay is always going to embarrass us. It's just super depressing. I don't care. We're in the playoffs. We're going to get bounced round one anyway. And it just it sucks being embarrassed, man. <laughs> I'm just sick and tired of this guy thinking he's the smartest guy in the room, and yet he makes these really dumb decisions at these critical points. And that's, frankly, what a head coach is all about. And somebody's got to talk to him. I, I'm assuming they're going to bring him back next year. But, boy, if he doesn't learn from his mistakes, we're going to see this over and over and over again. And I, I'd certainly love to see him beat the Packers once in, in this millennium, but I guess it's not, not meant to be until Aaron Rodgers gets into a rocking chair. <laughs> Playoffs. What are they so sad about? <laughs> you know why? They're in the playoffs. Because there, there's a fighting chance now that the coach and quarterback both are probably back. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine if if you are I a know. Bears fan who's not delusional, can you imagine this morning being faced with the fact that there is a chance that Mitch Trubisky is going to come back? They're gonna they're yeah, they're gonna run it back right now. They have to sign him because he's a free agent. Well, and that's right? my yep. my question is what, so what's he's gonna make so he's gonna, gonna ask for he's gonna get a raise to come back. Correct. He's gonna eat up more of their cap space. I would almost tell oh, them, that's I'll give you $12. That's all you're going to get from me. So, okay, hypothetical here, and and we will have no, many I'll, more of these. Okay? I'll keep cousin, so thank you very much. What if it's Mitch Trubisky for like $6 million or Kirk Cousins for what's what's going to wind up being like 31 I'm or $32 million go, next year? I don't know. I'm and not dealing And then you can take the other $25 million. Know, you can fix your offensive line. I'm not dealing with get an in interior Mitch defensive lineman. <laughs> Dex, I am not. Go- I am not going to deal in even one year, even one. What game are the Bears doing next Mitch weekend? Trubisky. They're playing in the playoffs. Yeah, they- are the Vikings because they can't fix their holes. because they're paying their quarterback I, too much. I'm not doing Mitch. I'm not doing the Trubisky I thing. I love Mitch Trubisky. I do. This is the best one. I put the blame on Trubisky completely. Okay, that, 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 that lack of a deep throw, which was a what I call 50-50 ball, when you see Aaron Rodgers throw a deep ball, it's a strike, and he leads his receivers. That's what a great quarterback does. And the failure of what I call our GM and our head coach, okay, is a joke. It's become basically a laughing stock of the NFL. So to the GM, to the head coach, and Trubisky, you're fired. They're fired. His relevation at the beginning of that call, he goes, what, it's what I like to call yeah, a 50 like ball. ball. Like he invented it's a thing. That's what I like to call a first down. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, everyone calls it a first down. No, I know, no, but especially I, me. Me, I am Mitchell. You get in the am. end zone, and I, I call that a touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> so Bears fans are depressed, but uh, I don't know if they're as depressed as our friends in Philadelphia. Last night, did you guys watch the end of that game, the fourth a quarter? A little bit. I, I did not, but I, I tracked it on Twitter. It was even more enjoyable. Yeah. So, real quick, before we play some of these clips, we do have Eagles Vent Line from WIP in Philadelphia. So, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Giants are like, like their, their playoff hopes at 6-10, and 10, by the way, were riding last night on the Philadelphia Eagles with a lot of backups because they, they rested a lot of their starters, mm-hmm. uh, defeating... The Washington football team at mostly full strength and a veteran quarterback like trying as hard as they can to win. And Jalen Hurts wasn't great in that game last night, but Doug Peterson decides, I want to pull Jalen Hurts for our third-string quarterback, and I can't even remember the guy's name, but he's been on the team for like Sudfeld. three years. Sudfeld. Sudfeld, that's right. Yeah. A non-mobile, just like deer-in-the-headlights oh, yeah. third-string quarterback. Yeah. And he puts this poor guy in Doug for, for the last couple series or whatever it is. Yep. And uh, and so, so, so he... Doug Peterson, who has, I think, some personnel control, if not a lot of personnel control, yep, he does the right thing for the franchise, which is let's get from the ninth overall pick to the sixth overall pick by tanking this game. But in the meantime, I think he lost pretty much everyone in that locker room and all of the fans and media has just been hammering him today. This is what it sounds like in Philadelphia. My Eagles, my- 
am so livid right now. I hope the NFL finds the Eagles big time with a hefty fine because I've been watching sports in this town for 50 years, and this was the absolute disgraceful performance I've ever seen. I thought the whole point was to see how Hurts performed. And, again, I'm not saying, you know, you lose, you lose, but this way it's an insult to guys like Kelsey, to, guys, to other guys on the defense, you know, who are busting their butt. And what does that say to, to the rest of the teammates? And Again, I don't know how much of a role Dougie P play. Obviously, he probably got, got his <laughs> you know orders from somewhere higher yep. up. But yeah. it's just a joke for the league, and it's a joke for the city. I'm sorry, I have to Doug, say that Dougie P, Dougie P, so, his buddy. He, so he likes Dougie P, but he doesn't like. He's mad at the rest of the team. Oh, let's see what this guy thinks. This is Gus in Allentown. If you don't despise this team, this this franchise, with every fiber of your being, you have no moral pulse. This is. I don't know how the commissioner doesn't get involved in this. I don't know. You can't. This. This is. This is fooling around with the integrity of the games, the result, and who gets in the playoffs. This is an absolute. The Giants should be suing the Eagles for this. I want to play this first line again, and then I'm going to remind you of something. If you don't despise this team, this this franchise, with every fiber of your being, you have no moral. Pulse. They won the Super Bowl like three years ago. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. I get that last night was frustrating, but you guys, like, you, you at least get five years of grace after you win a Super Bowl, I would think. I don't know what that's like because that's never happened here. So I don't know. Maybe we would be just as mad Hold three on. years later, some dumb week 17 so, decision. So, and I, I saw this on Twitter a bunch last night. So people want the commissioner now to step in and, I don't know, fine people or suspend them with the Eagles because of what transpired. Need I remind you that this is the same commissioner in league that is sanctioning a 7-9 and team hosting a playoff game next weekend? The NFC East is a dumpster fire. It's the definition. The very upset Giants fans had a six-win football team. I wanted the six-win division winner so bad. Like we, we've seen the the seven to nine thing. What a joke! The Seahawks won a playoff game over the Saints like twelve years ago as a seven and nine team. Two thousand ten. But a a six and ten team would have set such a more hilarious bar if if the Eagles would have won that game last night. But I mean, not, not just a playoff team, a division winner. Like, we're all upset about how can the Eagles, how can the Eagles do this to the morals of the National Football League, the competitive National Football League, which is putting a seven win team in a home playoff game. Well, as you know, under the performance tonight by Doug Peterson, I think this guy needs to be fired because I'll tell you why. After what he did tonight, I bet you he's lost the locker. He's lost the players in the locker room and everything. You cannot bring Doug back after what he did tonight. Let me remind you also that in the moment of being apoplectic about this, here's my guess. Next year in training camp, and I think I think our boy Dougie P will be, be back. Uh, if Jalen Hurts is throwing passes to the Alabama receiver, I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to say, you know what really teased me off to this day? That game against the Washington football team on Sunday night. You're saying that Jalen Hurts is, is going to have no problem with being benched in that game? I'm saying that Jalen Hurts... I would want Hurts, out if I was him. I, I, would, I would not want to play for Doug Peterson ever again if I were him. I would be mad in the moment, and then next year, when I realize what the draft pick was and the strategy of why we completely tanked, I would say, oh, oh, cool, now I get it. <laughs> See, what I would say is, if Doug Peterson came up to me beforehand and was like, all right, listen, I don't want to make... Because so, ultimately, Doug Peterson made Jalen Hurts look bad and sort of like decreased his stock. And because other teams around the league are going to look at him and say, "Well, wait a second, why would why would they have such a short leash on you?" Because he was sitting on the bench, and you could read his lips saying, "Like this ain't right, this ain't yeah, right." I saw that, yeah. So like, if my and and maybe this is part of the reason why Carson Wentz now, according to Adam Schefter uh, in his report yesterday, that his relationship with Doug Peterson is completely blown sky high, and he's demanding a trade. Now I would say. Carson, you played like garbage, yeah. so this is a, you it's too. partially your fault, too. Yep. But Doug Peterson might have a little bit of a communication problem with his quarterbacks, is what we're seeing here. And why why you would not at least have that discussion with Jalen Hurts beforehand is uh, is pretty egregious. But he also is a Super Bowl-winning coach and was lauded as this genius mastermind three yeah. years ago. If so he I don't know moved what up like three draft picks 
I'm going to be, you know what, if I'm an Eagles fan, ultimately, I'm going to be okay with that. Like, it, it sucks in the moment, or it, it appears to. But I also saw tweets last night, like, this was the first tank that we've seen. It's like, I know that it was egregious, but if it gets you, if, if I was a Vikings fan and Zim did, did that, the same thing, I'd also be like, holy cow, that was pretty genius. And see, that's the other thing that, you know, we, we sat here for the first two months of the season and said, whatever you have to do to go 2-14 and 14 to put yourself in the mix for Trevor Lawrence, you should go ahead and do that. Yeah. And and so then when you have a chance to move up from 9-6 to six and maybe put – and you know that your starting quarterback, Wentz, is probably going to be traded and you're going to be looking for another potential franchise quarterback, I don't know what they're going to draft – this is the type of thing that most fan bases would actually love. Wow, what a great sneaky way mm-hmm. in a meaningless game for you anyways. And forget about like the integrity of the game. I mean, I think that angle is And you screwed the already. Giants. But, yeah. I feel pretty good about that. You screwed them. But I think what's happening in Philadelphia is they've already been mad at Doug Peterson since yeah. the Super Bowl. Well, those people are mad and, all the time. And in a normal instance, if, they, if, if Doug Peterson was still in the good graces of the fans and he pulled this move, I think they would say, huh. Mad genius, but because they've already been looking for him to take a wrong step or get fired, and you know, you know, whatever that last straw is, they were hunting for this as a fan base, and they got it last night. Yeah, so well, and hilarious. and it's it sounds like Al and Chris went crazy on, on the uh, telecast. Chris, yeah, Chris Collinsworth was basically saying, "I have never seen anything like the, this." Because it also <laughs> impacted them because you know, obviously, they were supposed to have this ultra competitive. It's all for all the marbles type of game and then it's, it went sideways. Uh but yeah, if I'm an if I'm an Eagles fan, I look at this, I take a step back and I say, "Okay, I can see it." Yeah. I mean, you're not a year from now, you're not going to say, "Man, you know what really still hurts me to this day? That Sunday night loss when we were eliminated from the playoffs anyway." We'll see. Football. Hey, quick Quick lap around the room here before we wrap the show. Things you guys learned on NFL Sunday here, the final regular season NFL Sunday of uh, of the 2020 season. We'll start with Judd Zolgad. All right, thing one, the and this comes as no surprise. The Vikings are going to regret allowing Kevin Stefanski to get away. He has Cleveland back in the playoffs for the first time since 2002 in year one. Um, I didn't know how much credit to give him offensively last year. And I didn't know if he would be a great head coach, but he's proven to be, I think, pretty damn good. And this is just, again, a guy that the Vikings cultivated and sort of raised through their system. And probably at the moment he was set to marinate, he goes to Cleveland and has success. If the Vikings lose the playoff game to the Saints last year, boys, I think Zimmer's gone. I think Stefanski gets the job, and there's probably an argument to be made that you've got your head coach in place for probably the next eight to ten years, possibly. So we are going to be talking about Kevin Stefanski in this town. I learned that for, I think, a few years to come, including in a couple of years, most likely, when the Vikings are looking again for a new head coach. Yeah. Dex? Well, we kind of talked talk about him in the Eagles event line. I, w- I would love to blast the NFC East into the sun, um, but I-, I won't go there. In fact, I'm going to take a... This is a this is a self reflection moment for uh, for twenty twenty in the NFL football season. I think I learned that Teddy Bridgewater might not be the guy. Wow, look at you, uh, Teddy! Just collapsed yesterday. I mean, two picks got benched for PJ Walker, <laughs> the stud of the XFL. And like some people think, Carolina. I know they didn't have McCaffrey for the majority of the season, but like Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, they're they're pretty decent wide receivers. Yeah. And I don't know if um, is it Rule Matt Rule, is Rule yeah. the head coach there? I Matt don't know Rule. if Rule's the brightest bulb. However, I think Teddy had an infrastructure there to at least be a little bit more competent. And he started off the year actually pretty strong in those first five, six games. But, man, if I'm a Carolina fan, I I could see why if you would possibly bail or try to move on. You know, Teddy strikes me after watching him enough now post-injury. He strikes me as a great backup quarterback that is a great leader in the room, a guy that you want behind the scenes on your team. And if he needs to step in for, like, you know, four games, six games, or a half season— you know that he's going to at least be fairly steady, and he's not going to give away games too much. Mm-hmm. But that—that's probably what he is. Bravo, Declan. That is a, that. Oh, that's twenty twenty one for you, Declan. For you, that is a big step right there. Because your guy is steady, and, and he is. He, I mean, he probably isn't. Go, he has a twenty million dollar dead cap hit in twenty twenty one, so he's probably not going anywhere. All right. Um, but, yeah, I think they signed him to sort of be their starter for a couple of years, yeah. but. 
God, there's so many as we get into like who would draft a quarterback between picks one and 13 as you're looking at where the Vikings sit. There are so many wild card teams like the Lions could draft a quarterback. Mm-hmm. The Panthers could draft a quarterback. There's a million different. I wouldn't be shocked if the Dolphins decided with how high they're picking because don't they have Houston's pick? They do. Yeah. They could draft you a quarterback. Think they bail Tua was terrible yesterday. Tua already? I'm saying it's not out of the realm if they think, well, boy, Justin Fields is available or he's slipping or whatever, and we just think that he's going to be healthier long-term, et cetera. There's a lot of teams that could could shock you, I guess, between 1 and 13. Who who goes up potentially if the Jets do trade the second overall pick? Who goes and gets that pick, too? Because that's probably Fields. Yeah, any number of these teams. If the teams. Jets stick with Darnold and then trade the second mm-hmm. pick and they would get an absolute haul, yeah. that'd be a really I interesting mean, one. I mean, just like rounding out the top four, from four through ten, it's Falcons, Bengals, Eagles, Lions, Panthers, Broncos, Cowboys. All mm-hmm. those teams outside of Joe Burrow and Cincinnati could use a quarterback. Yeah, because Dallas has to figure out, yeah, okay, what, do we do franchise Dak again? Does, do we offer him another deal? Dak's probably going to want to let it ride again. I don't know. Football. Anyways. I learned that Tom Brady is the best washed-up quarterback in the history of the NFL. A lot of people declaring him middle of the season to, oh, this is finally it. This nope, is it. No one on this show. Tom Brady finishes the season <laughs> 10 and 6, or I'm sorry, 11 and 5 was their final record. All right. He throws for, are these updated? He throws yep. for 4,600 yards, or was it 5,000? I might be looking at outdated stats. No, it was 4,600. Because yesterday he threw, it was one of his best offensive games of the season. He threw for 399 yards and four touchdowns yesterday. Just a bonkers performance. 40 touchdowns on the season. His most since 2007 when he connected 50 times with Randy Moss and company. Wow. And so uh, it's possible people were writing off Tampa when they were, they were like 7-5 and five going into that game against the Vikings, right? Yeah, yeah, they had been through a rough stretch, I think, right before that, maybe. So they've won every game since the bye. Brady is clicking. Antonio Brown is their third wide receiver. Mike Evans had a hyperextended knee on a meaningless play in the yeah. second quarter yesterday. He might try. It's It sounds like there's no structural damage. He might try and play this weekend. They think he might be able to give it a shot. But it's it's almost like the conversation has been so heavy around the Chiefs and the Packers and even the Saints that not that many people are talking about what could be happening with Tampa Bay and Tom Brady. Bucks at Packers who in a playoff game. Who wins? Wow. Because that could happen. Yeah, that, that that's a divisional round matchup if Tampa wins. Didn't they already play each other in Tampa? Did, did yeah, they, play each other? they played each other in Tampa Bay. The Bucks but, blew up. I think they beat the crap out of them. But a snow game in January in Lambeau, yep. Brady versus Rodgers would be insane. And Brady in the snow at that age, like you might say, well, he spent so much time in New yeah, England. I think he's I, gone he might Favre. be more like Favre 07 I think in the snow. Gone, I think he might go Favre on, <laughs> on that maturation has made him understandably Hate cold weather. The Packers are right. such a weird front-running team, though, and that like they look great and they're thirteen and three, and then all of a sudden they run into a defensive line that gets after Rodgers and Bakhtiari is out for the season. Yeah, that's a big deal. So that's a problem. I actually might lean Buccaneers Pack- in that game. Packers won their first four games, and then they had a bye. Then they went to Tampa on the eighteenth of October and lost thirty-eight to ten. Yeah. Uh, by the way, the Buccaneers' offense is so honed that Blaine Gabbert, I believe, uh, stepped up for a hundred yards and two touchdowns yeah. as well. Was that, was that in that game yesterday? I, I just saw Blaine Gabbard through two touchdowns. Anyhow, those are things we learned on NFL <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> just throws out Blaine Gabbard's playing for somebody, and it might be the Tampa Bay no, Buccaneers. No, he plays for the Buccaneers. Yeah, yesterday he threw for 143 yards and two touchdowns in garbage time. Oh, no, that was the no, so that was week 16. That was week yeah, 16. Yeah, no, he didn't Detroit, play yesterday. Because they beat Detroit 47-7. I, I got into my Cobra Kai halfway through the Packer game after that. Season yesterday. three? Yeah, so far so good. You didn't watch all the, the, the Gophers were on, the Wolves were on. I can't Gopher watch the through. Wolves. Oh, that, <laughs> well, oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, that's a bunch of garbage. You told me you'd found a way to watch I, the I Wolves. I do. I have a way to watch yeah, the Wolves. Yeah, so don't give us this whole, probably, oh, I don't. Let's just say that I, I have not caved in to the pressure of Sinclair and the Timberwolves and Fox Sports North. I have also found ways to watch the Timberwolves. Yes. So basically, I'm with I'll two criminals here. I want to so watch ba- them. So basically, uh, I'm working with two active criminals. Not saying that. Not saying that at all. You guys have found ways. I'm going to imagine that they are not legal ways. We have found ways to watch the Timberwolves. What's going on with this country? It's a good question. You, you guys are cheating the system. 
Some people are trying to look for votes in Georgia. What's going on with this country? Yeah. In fact, we recorded secret conversations with Declan, who's just saying, I just, I just want you to find me 60 games. I just want you to find me 60 games. It'll be the just wild. Go look again. I just need those 54 games. See if there's 60 games that you can look, find me. You know, you know I have to watch these games. <laughs> you know I have to, right? I need these games. You need 60 games. It's illegal a, if I, I can't watch these games. I have a podcast. I have to, I have to talk about it. So that's a wrap on today's episode <laughs> of Mackie and Judd. A reminder on Purple Daily, just because the season's over doesn't mean that we're not still talking Vikings seven days a week. So Purple Daily, Apple, Spotify, scorenorth.com. And we have two YouTube channels now, uh, over 14,000 subscribers between the two of them. YouTube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast and YouTube.com slash scorenorthmn. Thanks for all your support in a tough 2020 year. And uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow on Mackie and Judd. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.